ahead and turn to Isaiah 53. I mentioned, and, and let me apologize for that, I didn't realize there would be a couple services. The, the young lady who, who came and shared, uh, Abby, shared, Abby Connor, shared about her mission. Wasn't that a great night? That was spontaneous. I just felt that morning we were going to meet with them anyway, and I thought, man, it would be great to just have her come. And I didn't know she was that fiery, y'all. She did a great job. I see her just evangelizing and and uh, God doing great things through her ministry. But I did want to say this, and, and by way of thanking you as a very gracious, giving church, that, that night we took up a spontaneous offering, and we raised over $1,300 for Abby that night. So let's praise God for, for you, you guys doing that. That is wonderful. And uh, then last week I had uh, a young man who Lee and I have been able to kind of mentor and, and see grow up and go off to Bible school and to give his life to the ministry. And Alex was here last week. And did you just sense that anointing on Alex? He, he had a real anointing when he began to speak. And he's going to grow and really, I'm anxious to see what God does through his life and ministry. He's a good young man, full of integrity. So thank you for allowing them to come and share. And because uh, I did mention a few weeks ago that we would be doing Isaiah 53. I think this is a great time of year to dig into Isaiah 53. And my plan is, well, until I started reading it a few weeks ago, I thought, I'm going to do this verse by verse. And I saw how big of a chapter it is. So I thought, well, that'll be December by the time we're done. So tonight we are just going to take the very first verse of Isaiah. But I do want to lay a little bit of foundation. Because I, Isaiah 53, I really believe this. Isaiah 53, and hear me with an open heart and mind as I teach through Isaiah 53. But I really believe that if you just had the historical fact and data of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and I really believe that if, if all you had of the Bible was Isaiah 53, you could come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's amazing this messianic prophecy, and Isaiah has more messianic prophecies than any other Old Testament prophet. And, of course, the prophets are divided into two sections. It's the minor prophets and the major prophets. Minor doesn't necessarily mean like their message wasn't powerful. It's the length of the book. So he's found in the major prophets. But I I dug out some facts for us tonight before we jump into the meat of the word. But Isaiah is quoted more than any other Old Testament prophet. It's actually 61 different passages are referred to 85 times in the New Testament. He is mentioned by name 22 times in the New Testament. And it's a highly messianic book. It was actually referred to and is referred to by a lot of scholars as the fifth gospel. Of course, we know that's New Testament. But there's so many prophecies given to Isaiah by God. Another interesting thing about Isaiah, and if you don't understand this, you won't understand just how poetic the book was. He used probably about 530 more words than the next prophet who used words. So he was very well educated. He would have been in the royal household. And you say, how was he in the royal household? He, he actually was a cousin to one of the kings, Uzziah. And then he was his uncle was one of the kings also. And his father was the brother of one of the kings. And then, of course, a cousin was one of the kings. So I said that to say he had a lot of access. I mean, how else could you go to King Hezekiah and give him a prophecy unless you were moving in those circles? So he had access to the king. He was in the royal household, so he had access to the education and all those different things. But the amazing amount of prophecies that are just found in the book of Isaiah is incredible. Because think of this, and just stop and think about this for a second. 
He wrote this 700 years before Jesus came on the scene. 700 years before our Messiah, Jesus, was born. He was writing about how, and in Isaiah, it goes across the whole gamut. If you ever do the, and I encourage you to do this, read through your Bible in a year. When you get to Isaiah, I found in conversation with a lot of believers, they don't understand it because they don't really understand that a lot of it is prophetic. He not only dealt with, went all the way back into creation, but he actually delved into the new creation and the, the coming millennial reign of Christ. And he laid out, and we're going to get into this as we teach this over these next few weeks. He talked about the omnipotence of God. He talked about the disposition of the Messiah. He talked about the things the Messiah would do. And not only in his, in Isaiah 53 here, in, in prophesying about how he would die. I mean, think about 700 years before. Crucifixion wasn't even a thing at that point. There was no such thing as crucifixion. And I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. The amazing understanding. And, and so many people, when they read through Isaiah, a lot of scholars, and this is actually, I found this surprising. Some of you may know this, some of you may not. But scholars are so amazed at how he prophesied and accurately predicted everything, not just in the life of Messiah, but also the the Babylonian captivity and the fall of Jerusalem, all these kind of things that ended up happening. A lot of scholars look at that and they say, there's no way at all that Isaiah could have known that that many years in advance. Well, how many understand God knows? (laughs) And he doesn't do anything without letting his prophets know, the Bible says. So we sometimes kind of step back and look at the prophecies that are in the Old Testament, of which there are hundreds, over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. I've shared this before, but I find this so amazing. You may have never heard this before. But there was a book, and let me make sure I get it right, because you guys may may want to check this out sometime. It's by a man named Dr. Peter Stone, and he wrote a book called Science Speaks. And in his book, he took just eight of the prediction of Jesus. And I think some of the ones were virgin birth and some of the other things about Jesus. But he took eight of them and he calculated the odds that one man could fulfill even eight of the prophecies at 10 to the 17th power. I'm not a real smart guy. So I don't know what 10 to the 17th power is. But he gave a wonderful illustration, Pastor Glenn, of what it would look like for somebody to fulfill. Hear me. Eight of the prophecies, of which many we find in Isaiah, as we're going to study over these next few weeks. And he said it would be like this. He said, take silver dollars and take the state of uh, area, roughly the, the size of the state of Texas, which Texas is a big state, especially if you talk to a Texan, it's the biggest, best. And, and, and fill it up two feet with silver dollars, paint one of them red. Take that silver dollar and bury it there in two feet with the size, an area the size of Texas. Put a blind man in a helicopter and let him fly over that area. And he gets to decide, put me down right here. And the chances of him finding that one red silver dollar are 10 to the 17th power. That's eight prophecies about one man. Jesus fulfilled over 300 so as we study this, don't let anybody ever let you say that science doesn't line up with the Word of God. If there's anything that needs to be corrected, it's science. I'm, I'm a science guy. I love to study. I love the analytics and types of things like that. But also understand that our God is amazing. 
And he amazingly, through the prophet Isaiah, gave us a lot of these prophecies. He prophesied about his future reign and glory, his, his disposition, all these different things. So it's an amazing book. The foundation that I want you to have, and I encourage you as homework, get Isaiah 53, get it on your phone, your Bible. Go ahead and put, your, put a little uh, bookmark or something in there. I want you to be reading this as we study along. I've been reading it for a few weeks. Talk to a few other people that have been reading this in preparation because I think we're going to have a good time studying this over these next few weeks. It, this book really is a, a mystery because they, they said, well, how could one person? So some scholars say it was divided into two parts. Um, and, of course, you have minor and major prophets. Isaiah is considered one of the major prophets. But he was probably one of the most diverse prophets that God used. And I see it because of his education and because of his disposition. It's a beautiful book. It's beautifully written. As you read through it, it flows. And he had a very, very large vocabulary. Um, so in Isaiah 53, we're going to look at verse 1. So we will get through the first verse tonight, Lord willing. And we're going to look at this. Father, for these next few minutes, I pray that you would anoint me to teach your word and to preach your word. That, God, you would anoint the, the, the ears of the hearers tonight. That the seed of your word, as we study, as we look at the strong arm of the Lord, Father, I pray it would be much more than head knowledge. But tonight, I desire head and heart knowledge. That, God, we would walk out of here understanding the incredible prophecies that were given all those hundreds of years ago over 2,700 years ago now, Lord, that you knew exactly when, where, how, that your salvation would come. So tonight we just thank you for salvation. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for victory. We thank you for the prison doors have been opened, Lord, and you have called us forth into freedom, God. So tonight, let you let, let your word be glorified and everything said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Everybody say, arm of the Lord. Lord. Now, I started with verse 1, and I thought, Lord, if I'm going to stop there, you're going to have to lay something on my heart to teach to the people tonight and to preach to the people. And the arm of the Lord just stuck out to me. We're going to delve into the prophecy part of things, but that very first stanza just hit me right in my spirit that the arm of the Lord is strong. Amen? We understand, and by way of teaching, understand this. God doesn't have arms. Amen, everybody? Some of you are like, wait a second, what? God's a spirit. Look at John chapter 4. God is a spirit. It's something called anthropomorphic. There are many places in Scripture where human parts are assigned to God even though He is a spirit. That's in John 4.24. That being said, when God created the world, especially us as humans, He is going to create us in such a way that points to... Who God is. And right from the very get-go of Isaiah 53, who has believed the report of the Lord? Do I have some people that believe the report of the Lord? Amen. Amen. The report of the Lord is I'm healed, saved, delivered, set free. It's so important tonight as you leave here tonight, much more than teaching, I want you to catch something in your heart. And every song that we sang tonight, and I love it, points towards the victory. God is our defender. God is the one who takes the mountain and plucks it up. It's us who is vessels of God and filled with the Holy Spirit that can speak to the mountain. I've been talking to people all week that I've encouraged. Listen, you need to open up your voice and understand you have a God who has a strong arm. His arm is not so weak that he can't heal, save, and deliver. But he is a strong God with a strong arm. So when he says in there that the arm of the Lord... 
he's talking and pointing to something in the natural that points us back to God. And there's many, many instances all throughout the Old Testament that talk about the arm of God. So in other words, is, is Isaiah is getting into this prophecy of the suffering Messiah here in Isaiah 53. He, and I found it amazing as I pondered on this the last couple of days is that when it sets off and says the arm of the Lord, which we know cannot fail, has never lost a battle, can save, heal, and deliver, and do all the things that we need him to do in any given moment. It's amazing that he begins with that, and then he goes into how really and truly, when we understand the disposition of Jesus, it wasn't by his strong arm that he came. In other words, a lot of people wanted the Messiah to come and to kick out the Romans and to draw a sword and to ride in on a, on a war steed. And we know as we come up on Palm Sunday, he didn't ride in on a war horse. He rode in on a donkey. So he came low this time. He's coming back as the reigning king. He came as the suffering Messiah and he comes back as the conquering king. And oh Lord, how we need Jesus to set some things straight in this world. Amen. And we're coming up on that time. Philippians 2.8 says, and being found in appearance as a man, he he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So I found it, what I was pondering was, Lord, everything that, that we're going to study over these next few weeks in these verses is talking about how he suffered, is talking about how he willingly gave himself up. And really, we understand that God will allow himself to be human form so that he could pay for our sins. Amen. So that he could win the victory for us. So Jesus went into the grave so that you could come out of it. The, the messianic prophecy is that he had to suffer and die so that we could live to new life. Amen. So number one tonight, I want to give you three things that the arm of the Lord symbolized. And these three things are things that I hope just encourage your heart. They encouraged me as I studied and wrote them down today. Everybody say freedom. I think the strong arm of the Lord symbolizes freedom. Say it again, freedom. freedom. It is for freedom that he has set us free. Listen, freedom simply means you go what you, where you want, you go when you want, you go how you want. When you woke up this morning, you, you decided and you were able to decide what clothes you wanted to put on and you decided when you wanted to get up. Some of us had to get up by an alarm clock. You retired folks, I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of you. I'm just telling you. When that alarm clock goes off early in the morning, I thought, I wish I could do what I wanted to do. Amen. But here's what I want to tell you to understand our freedom in Christ is that if you have not been set free by Jesus, you may be free to get in your car and do what you want, but you're bound on the inside. There, the, 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 there's, a, there's a misnomer in our culture, especially as we are a country that, and again, I thank God we enjoy the freedoms that we do. I've traveled all over the world. And I thank God when I come back and understand the beautiful country that we live in. But I, I want you to understand something. Just because maybe outwardly you look free, you could still be bound inwardly. And the strong arm of the Lord that he talks about in Isaiah 53 verse 1, the strong arm of the Lord is that so you could experience freedom. True freedom. It is for freedom that he has set us free, church. And it's beautiful. Listen, thank God for freedom. Freedom is not found by people who aren't in Christ. Until Jesus sets us free, we are like locked in a prison cell. Amen? The strong arm of the Lord that he is getting ready to prophesy about the suffering Messiah that had to happen so that we could experience true freedom. And here's the picture I get oftentimes. Is it, and thank God I've never been in a prison cell. 
but I did find out I was claustrophobic a few years ago. Anybody else have claustrophobia? I had no idea until I was on the mission field in Mexico City, and this building was like 50 years old. The elevators were were shaky at best, untrustworthy at best. They'd break down a lot. And one thing that I found always interesting, and you'd get on there, you know, I was the leader of all these teams, and there would always be at least 15 to 20 to 25 teenagers. And I always dreaded when I got on with like four or five teenagers because they learned that you could jump on the elevator and it moved. So it wasn't like the plunger type, and Jason, I could probably talk to you about the different types of elevators. It must have had some kind of pulley system. So I get on with two or three other people. One in particular was from Cincinnati. He worked for Delta Airlines, and uh, I'll never forget him because I was stuck in an elevator with him for like two and a half hours. And this is 23-story building, and we got up. You know, you're watching the countdown. I think I was on maybe the the 12th, 10th, 11th, 12th floor. We tried to stay lower so we could get down quicker if we had to take the stairs because I've been through earthquakes, amen? I'm going to stay close to the ground. And all of a sudden, it just stops. And I thought, man, alive, you know, I, the walls just started closing in. And and Jerry was his name, Jerry Stricker, the brother from Cincinnati. And uh, he just wanted to talk the whole time. And I'm starting to sweat. And never been claustrophobic, never been afraid of being in an enclosed space. But then I started thinking, okay, what if this falls? Well, what's going to happen? And he just wouldn't. And finally, I'm like, brother, please quit talking. Let's just let's pray. Oh, God's got this. We're going to be okay. And listen, finally, it did. They finally got us to the right floor, and they pried this door. Man, y'all see somebody coming out of a out of an. I was like, I pushed his wife out of the way. I'm like, get me out of here. I would have crawled out of there if I had to. But listen, in a spiritual analogy way, there's a lot of people that are stuck in a prison of their own sin. They they say they're free, and they have the illusion of being free. Now, here's the picture I get when it comes to Christ. Listen, when 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 it says that he if he ascended, then he first descended. What he did was he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and the prison door is wide open. And Christians, listen to me, Christians live in bondage to sin. And I'm not talking about outwardly. I'm talking about in here. And you say, how do I know if I'm in bondage to sin? I had a discussion just a little while ago on this very subject. I tell people all the time when they come to me with, well, pastor, I don't really think this is a big deal in my life. And I look at them and I say, then lay it down for six months. And I see the reaction on their face. And I begin to tell them, I don't think you're as free as what you think you are. And it's like Jesus came, the strong arm of the Lord came and He suffered and He died and He rose again on the third day so that you could be free inwardly and outwardly. And I think we as Christians, the the door is open and we walk out and we look around and we're like, oh, this is good. Then we go back to our prison cell. You were not meant to live in a prison cell. You were meant to live in freedom that God gave us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, how I want our church to be free. Freedom. So many people are bound in their own sin and constricted. And their their chains are just wrapped around them. But I came tonight to tell you the strong arm of the Lord is so that we could be free. Everybody say free. Free. Oh God, I thank thank God for deliverance. God God did not save you so that you could continue to live bound by the enemy. Not bound on the outside, but bound on the inside. There's too many Christians that are bound on the inside. 
One of the stories I thought of in the Bible that I know everybody would relate to, because this is an amazing story to me, when Jesus sailed all the way across the water to save and to deliver the demoniac of Gadara. Right? He loved him so much that he was willing to cross that whole sea to be able to, as soon as he lands on the shore, and, and here's the spiritual analogy, and don't miss it, nobody could contain him. Nobody could chain him. Nobody could put him in a jail cell. He, was, he would rip the chains off and rip his clothes off and everything else. So outwardly, nobody could, could, could restrict him. It was inwardly that he was bound. It says a legion of demons, which was roughly probably 12,000, right? But when Jesus, look, when Jesus stepped on that shore, the devil knew what was up. When, 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 when Christ breathed his last breath, the enemy had to say, uh-oh, what have we done? <laughs> right? It says they would have not crucified the Lord of glory if they... Listen, God, it may look like in your life that things are not working out, but I came to encourage you to trust the strong arm of the Lord. It may feel like you're continually struggling against the same addiction and the same sin and the same... God wants you to be free. And that prison door has been broken over by the blood of Jesus. And you don't have to stay bound. If Jesus can show up on the scene and deliver somebody that had 12,000 demons, then He can conquer your sin. Amen? He came to set us free from being a prisoner to sin. And we have a choice. Some people are still captive to sin, and there's only one hope for that. It's not medication. It's not counseling, and I'm not against medication. You guys hear your pastor. It's not more counseling. We need to get back to understanding the strong arm of the Lord and the anointing of the church. Because church, I'm telling you, I'm I'm deeply involved in my own kid's life. One of the reasons Leah has that on her heart, just to go to that school and just declare the name of Jesus, is if, if we don't see breakthrough in some of these areas and deliverance in some of these areas, we have a whole generation that's getting wiped out by the enemy. Any grandparents in here understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Amen. Romans 16, 17 through 18. Thank God that through, though you once chose to be slaves of sin, chose to be slaves of sin, now you have obeyed with all your hearts the teaching to which God has committed to you. And now you are free from your old master sin, and you have become slaves to your new master righteousness. You, believer, are not a slave to sin. You are a slave to righteousness tonight. I'm just declaring the word over you. That's what God told me to do tonight. Look, we can walk out and we can look around and we can even acknowledge the fact that Satan has been defeated. But my question to you tonight, by way of just just moving in on you just a little bit, is he has been defeated. Has he been defeated in your life? You know, when you think of Satan, I think of this. It's like... Only a real bozo would tempt somebody to sin, and then they sin, and he turns around and condemns them for what he just tempted them to do. And of course, the scripture is clear that we're tempted away by our own desires. Amen? But when he sees you going down that path, trust me, he's right there along your side. Anybody ever experienced that? Because the enemy loves to constrict. He loves to put us in a prison of our own making. He loves to put chains on the people of God. If he could, he would love to chain you up. And listen to me, the chains of bondage can't be felt until they're too strong to be broken. Are you hearing me tonight? God wants you to be free. Acts 10.38 And you no doubt know that Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and healing all. Everybody say all. 
who were possessed by demons, for God was with him. So the strong arm of the Lord means that the strong arm of the Lord is strong enough to break through your prison door. Amen? Number two, God's strong arm gives us access. Everybody say access. It's one of my favorite words. Anybody in here ever been to the Oval Office? Anybody? I thought you were raising your hand, Miss Kathy. I'm like, wow, tell me the story. No, no. You were scratching your nose. Okay. Church, there, the strong arm of the Lord not only tore off the door of the prison, the strong arm of the Lord opened the door to heaven itself. Think about that. Think about that. When Jesus, I, this is the picture I get, so give me a little liberty. It can have, may have gone down a little bit differently, but I can't imagine that after Jesus sacrificed his own life and walks back into the throne room of heaven, that there weren't millions upon millions of angels celebrating. Amen. And he, he comes in and he has full access. Amen. He's God. And, and think about it for a minute. And then another person shows up behind him. Amen. The thief on the cross. He had to be dumbfounded, right? Look where I am. All I did was look at him and believe. And then another shows up. And then another shows up. And over time, there's hundreds. And over time, there's thousands. Then over time, there's millions. A long line of people who have now been granted access because of the strong arm of the Lord not only opened our prison doors, church, but it opened the door. to Nobody had access to go into the Holy of Holies until Jesus Christ sacrificed Himself on that cross. The whole prophecy of Isaiah 53 is about the suffering Messiah 700 years before it ever came on the scene. And I don't care if I'm in the very back of that line, honey. I'm just glad I'm in that line. Anybody else? (laughs) And church, it's access. You now, you, because of the blood, you being in Christ and Christ in you, our hope of glory, you now have access into the Holy of Holies. There is nothing wrong, and as a matter of fact, I would encourage you to get a group of people, whether it's your church family or a prayer line, something major is going on, call the office. We've got a prayer chain that we set on fire. But listen to me. I want you to understand that you can come into the presence of your Heavenly Father because Jesus opened the door by His strong arm. Not your strong arm. You couldn't have opened that door. You couldn't have torn that veil. You had no right or access into the Holy of Holies but for what Jesus did for you. The strong arm of the Lord represents an open door into the very throne room of God. Think about that. Heaven's door is you as a believer is now open to you. A closed door means what? Stay out, right? You're not wanted. You are expected in the throne room. Amen? Listen, everybody wants to know that their prayers are answered. Everybody wants a connection with God. But here's what I want you to to know. When you talk about a door in the strong arm of the Lord, everybody wants that connection. We all know this. Some of the... It's amazing. There are no atheists on a flight with turbulence. I've never met one. Right? A plane starts doing this and everybody's, oh, God, help me, please help put angels. I'm like, yeah, you probably never prayed to God until that moment. But understand this. The door that's opened is Jesus because he is the door. 
He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's a new and living way. He is the door. And it says that in Revelation 4.1, Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before, which sounded like a mighty trumpet blast, spoke to me and said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen in the future. Point number three. The arm of the Lord is a symbol of victory. Everybody say victory. Victory. Aren't you thankful for victory? Come on now. Who likes to win? (laughs) Who likes to win? Amen. I'm not talking about in a negative, you know, competitive, I'm going to knock somebody down way. I'm just talking about you like to win. That's why I'm a high state Buckeye fan. I like winners. (laughs) I'll tell you this. Out of my family, my daughter has the most competitive nature. I, I found, I, I caught her hiding a Nuno card one time. No joke. She blows on the dice when we play Monopoly. She's like, nobody taught you that. I've never seen, no, you've never seen that happen before. That's, that's how competitive she is. But church, we, we love to win. God put that in us. And church, I want to tell you tonight, that the victory we have is because of the strong arm of the Lord. Amen. It's why we can come together and begin to worship and acknowledge our own frailty, acknowledge our own weaknesses at times, acknowledge our own doubts when we should be believing God with all of our heart and there's just that certain something in us that like, God, I'm not really sure if this is going to come through like I ask. And as we point to Jesus and understand that he won the victory with his strong arm, he won the victory through his blood. He won the victory for us. Everybody say victory again. So he's not only broken through with this strong arm of every prison door. God does not want you constricted. God does not want you confined. He has put a path of freedom and a valley of his green grass and still water that we can walk through through his strong arm. And I've noticed this about people is that some people... Well, they want to win so bad, they'll even switch teams right in the middle of the game. (laughs) Amen? Or they'll switch teams because they see a winner, right? What do we call that? We call that... uh, Jumping ship? Yes, jumping ship or fair weather fans or... What's the other term? Somebody help me out. Bandwagon. Thank you. Bandwagon fans. I got to admit I was a huge bandwagon fan. Uh, years ago when the New Orleans Saints, I had moved to Louisiana and just like a year after I moved there. The Saints have been horrible. And, and I, I, like, I had sympathy for Saints fans because I was a Browns fan growing up. If you know anything about the Browns, they get right there on the cusp of making the Super Bowl two years in a row. Never been so heartbroken in my life. So I see the excitement on everybody's face. I see, you know, Leah's 78-year-old mother's wearing a Saints jersey. And I'm like, man, that's a, I've never seen that woman in anything but a blouse, you know. Had a little hat on her that day. And look, I, I, here's what I did. I began to celebrate with them because of the victory that they were enjoying. Do you understand that we can come together and even though that we may be going through a dark season or a dark time when it doesn't look like victory, I can celebrate your victory because your victory is tied into my victory. Just like I put my saint stuff on and was high-fiving people and Leah's mom took that jersey off and was swinging it over it. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Don't, 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 don't tell her I said that. She got pretty worked up that night, though. She got pretty worked up that night, though. But church, can I tell you tonight, there's only one name under heaven that has won the victory. 
And that name is Jesus Christ. One name. One name. And he has invited us to join in that victory. Because apart from him... It's an illusion of freedom. It's an illusion of access because you've got people all the time praying to God, asking God. But there's only one name that you can enter into the presence of God. It's Jesus. There's only one name that you can be delivered by. It's Jesus. There's only one name under heaven that is victorious. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. All of us are going to die one day. Amen? Unless Jesus comes back and takes us with him. We're all going to die. And I said this earlier, and I'll say it again. Would you want to challenge hell all by yourself? (laughs) I wouldn't either. I mean, do you have the ability to take the keys of death, hell, and the grave and to be able to set yourself free? To be able to access heaven itself? Absolutely not. What you need to consider doing if you're on a different path is join the winning side. Just like people shift teams right in the middle of a season. Or even before a season, I think of a young man named Eric Peterson. And I was so disappointed in him. He was so fed up with the Florida State Seminoles that he jumped ship to the Gators. I tried to recruit him for Ohio State, but he he jumped ship over there. Listen, some of you need to get off a sinking ship and get on God's ship. Some of you need to understand that the victory you're looking for isn't found in another Oprah episode or Dr. Phil. It is found in the delivering power of the blood of Jesus Christ. The strong arm of the Lord. The strong arm of the Lord. You ever wonder what Jesus was doing on Saturday? Jesus on Saturday took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He conquered. And see, the beautiful part of that is you and I get to participate by faith in our relationship with God, we get to be partakers not only of His divine nature, but we get to be partakers of every promise that is yes and amen in Christ Jesus tonight. You get to partake of that. It's like my kids often say, or we do this all the time. I won't even bring my kids into it necessarily. We do this all the time. We, you know, our team wins. We, we didn't we play a good game? Were you on the field? No. But you're part of that family. I remember years, years, it's been several years ago. It was the first time that my kids ever really saw my wife cry, like hurt cry. And dad forgot to kill some wasps that were in a nest by the, by the uh, hose bib that was on the side of the house. And she went out to do something by her car, and I think she even tra- turned the water on to do something. And they got her about two or three times. And at that time, I know Holland was really little. She was maybe five or six, and uh, and Hudson would have only been maybe a couple years old. So, like, say, eight and five. They were just little guys. And they were so distraught by seeing Mom hurt. And I remember Hudson looking at me and said, Dad, you need to take care of this. <laughs> so, as the man of the house and my son, I said, well, let's do it, Bubba. Got that can of wasp spray. Thank God that stuff shoots like 50 feet, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, I was going to be brave, but I wasn't going to kill him you know, with my hands. So I get this wasp spray out, and it's, it's a distance, and I begin to, to spray him down. Of course, they fall on the ground, and he goes back in the house. He's so proud. He said, Mom, we killed the, the, the wasps. He was partaking in the victory that I won. Even Holland got in on the action. They were dead on the ground. She's like, don't do that to my mom. 
ever. She's stomping on them. Listen, that's you and me because Jesus has called us by his strong arm to share in his victory. He's called you to share in the freedom. He's called you to share in his victory. He's called called you to share in his access to the heavenly father in the very courtroom, throne room of heaven. The strong arm of the Lord, the suffering Messiah. I believe that he starts out in verse 1 in this next stanza. And I even go back and read 52 into 53, but 53 is what we're going to study in detail. But I had to stop as I read that a couple days ago. And I said, the strong arm of the Lord. Your God is mighty. Your God is awesome. Whatever you're facing tonight, your God has the ability to set you free from anything that the enemy's trying to constrict you with. He's got the ability to bring you hand in hand into the very presence of your Heavenly Father so you can come, in, not in your name, in the name of Jesus. Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In, in, in those days, when a king would go in and conquer another king, they would bring that conquered king back in front of all the people, and they would, they would make him kneel down, and the conquering king, church, would put his heel right on the neck of that conquered king as, and kind of grind it in a little bit, as if to say, I have won the victory. Church, the God of peace shall soon crush Satan under your feet. Amen? Your conquering king who won the victory has put the enemy under our feet. Why are you living defeated? Why are you living anxious? Why are you living worried? And trust me, I live anxious and worried, but I fight it. You know what I fight it with? I fight it with scriptures like, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. That's a credible scripture. I'm going to have to dig into that sometime. 2 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say victory. Amen. This is my favorite one. I just mentioned it. Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Look, look at me for just a couple minutes as I close tonight. You may be sitting there and feel anything but victorious. You may be sitting there and feel anything but free. You may be sitting there and feel like anything but Worthy to come into the presence of a holy, righteous God. Well, I got good news for you tonight. You're not worthy. And you're not, your arm is not strong enough to break against the enemy. He's powerful, y'all. He is. The enemy is. But God's more. Yes. You may feel anything but victorious sitting there tonight. But church, when it comes to the strong arm of the Lord coming through for you, is not predicated 
upon you. It's predicated upon him. Amen? Listen, the strong arm of the Lord means this. Again, I'm going to use a football analogy because you guys know how much I like football. In 2022, or no, it was 2002 rather, I'm sorry, 2002, my team won the college football national championship. And boy, you should have seen me that when the clock hit zero. If anybody is a college football fan, it went to double overtime. Very controversial. Very controversial because there was a very controversial call that kept the game going at that point. And people still say to this day, if you ever run into a Miami, Florida fan, and they know I'm a Buckeye fan, they look you straight in the eye. And they say, you didn't win. And all I say is, scoreboard. (laughs) Some of you just need to tell the devil, come on, somebody. (laughs) He, He won it all. He's victorious over it all. The devil doesn't have anything to use against you but intimidation and fear and anxiety and all his little tricks and all the little things. I don't, I'm not saying they're not effective sometimes because he gets me more often than I'd like to admit tonight. But sometimes I just got to remind myself. I'm victorious. And look, if, 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 I would, if, if, I, if I would get more excited about winning a football game of my favorite team than I am about the victory that's in Jesus, shame on me. When they won, I was in the basement of my brother's house there in Ohio, and they finally clicked down. And after a lot of years of loving that team, look, I busted through the – I was in the basement. I ran upstairs. I busted through the door. And he had a blow-up Brutus Buckeye. I mean, this thing was like eight feet tall. I ran out the front door, and I tackled it. And it busted. And I was running around the yard. And listen to me, church, if we aren't as excited about anything else in life as we are that Jesus has given you the victory against everything that you'll face. Stand with me tonight. Thank you, Lord. You may be here tonight and you don't feel like you. Because here's the thing. Here it is. You aren't strong enough to break down the prison door. I was in the elevator and I wasn't, I didn't have the tools or the strength. I will admit, Lord's reminding me right now, I tried to pry that bad boy open. I, I, I just, I got my finger, I'm like, I can't pull it open. We do that though, don't we? We try to pry, listen, you need somebody to come from the outside in. Oh, that's a revelation there. <laughs> you need somebody to get on the inside that's going to release you from the inside out. Because we try to get religion on us and try to change ourselves in our own power. It doesn't work for very long because your willpower is like this. His is like this. Amen. You aren't strong enough to break down heaven's door and enter in. And you're not strong enough to break down hell's door and to get the victory that God has. But the strong arm of the Lord is strong enough. Amen. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father. There are those that are here under the sound of my voice. And Lord, just help me flow in your spirit for just the the next few minutes of words of knowledge and anything else you would want to to deliver in this moment. Matter of fact, here it is. Here's, Here's one thing that I believe the victory of Jesus and the prison door that some of you are so bow your head and close your eyes because I want to give some freedom in this place just to acknowledge and and not be embarrassed about any of these things that the Lord may touch on to bring you out of the prison. But you've just literally been dealing with so much anxiety 
in the season that you're in. You feel like the weight of the world's on your shoulders and your heart just races for no reason sometimes. Can you shoot up your hand, anybody across this room, so we can pray for you? Amen. Amen. Let's pray for that. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we pray that the peace of God that surpasses all... We're not reaching out to you in our mind. We're reaching out to you by faith in our hearts right now. And Lord, anxiety that has come upon the people, it does not belong there because we belong to you, Jesus. I thank you, God, that the way, the door has been opened. And Father, in Jesus' name, I break the power of the enemy by the blood of Jesus right now, that it has no place, it has no assignment against us, but every assignment that the enemy is, every snare and every assignment we call null and void right now in Jesus' mighty name, God. Father, for those who are struggling mightily in their body physically, just shoot your hand up right there where you are. We're going to pray right now for Lupita. We're going to pray, God, that you would bring your healing virtue to every single body in this place that's struggling, God. We pray right now. As a matter of fact, somebody's been dealing with, with well, a knee issue, which, Kim, I'm going to pray for you right now. It came to me. Father, we pray for Kim right now. In Jesus' name, we pray healing over her knee right now. In your name, you are victorious, God. Father, let that just loosen up and let any inflammation and let everything else go down. God, we pray for Lupita right now tonight. We're continuing to hang on to the horns of the altar, God, for our sister. God, I just pray strength over her right now. God, I pray the joy of the Lord would be her strength, Father. We pray right now for a visitation of your Holy Spirit to just from the inside out break every prison door. God, show her the access into the Father's room. And God, we proclaim victory in Jesus' name over her. We continue, God, to stand in faith and just ask you, God, for this warfare that's going on in her physical body. We declare victory of the blood of Jesus right now, God. We declare victory over every physical body, Lord God, tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, let your anointing, Father, fall in this house right now, God. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit, for it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Some of you are so heavy laden. Father, God, just break that yoke. God, break that heaviness. Break depression off in Jesus' name. Break depression off of our young people, God. They have no hope in their lives. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the hope that they're looking for, God. God, we ask you, Father, to break off those things out of people's lives, Father. God, break it, Lord. Break it, Lord. Break it, Lord. God, you said the God of peace shall crush Satan under our feet. Lord, I pray for a lifting up and God, a setting down upon those things that cause us to stumble before. Father, I proclaim freedom from bondage of sin. Lord, you said that we could come to you openly and honestly with anything we're harboring in our lives. God, we pray tonight that you give us clean hands and a pure heart, Lord. Purify us tonight, God. Help us to understand that you are for us, not against us. That the power of the gospel is that we are being saved, Lord. Let salvation come. Let the anointing destroy the yoke of bondage, God. God, let this be a free-flowing place of honesty and communication in this house, God. Let us not hide away, 
But let us be people and children of the light. For if we walk in the light as you are in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. And God, we believe you're setting us free. We are slaves to righteousness tonight, not slaves to sin. Let that, let that word find its, its place in our heart. That, Lord, we would choose righteousness. We would choose to walk away from bondage. So anything that's holding us back from being everything, God, that you've called us to be, let it be broken, broken, broken tonight. God, I thank you for Isaiah 53 as we delve into this. God, I thank you for your holy word. That, Lord, as we continue down this path, I pray for an increased anointing upon our Wednesday nights. That they wouldn't just be teaching, but they would be an experience of your grace and your mercy. Let this identity find its way into us tonight. That we would leave here understanding, God, that the prison's been broken free. We're no longer bound. God, we have access to our Heavenly Father. And most of all, God, you are victorious. So we are in you tonight. So, God, we thank you for that. Father, we pray for ministries in this house. I pray for Saray tonight as she goes into the prison the next few days. God, that you would calm her, that you would anoint her, that you would be with her, Father. God, we love and we praise you for all these things that you do unto us. And that, God, you give us strength to do back to you, Father. We lay our lives down fresh and anew right here in this place tonight, God. We love and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 It's good to see you in the house tonight. Go in the name of the Lord and be mightily blessed. Remember, 6 o'clock tomorrow up at Lecanto Middle if you can make it to pray. We're going to come against that stronghold up there, y'all. Love you.